Well, good morning. I'm so thankful that you're here today. Um, you know, in our, in our worship guide, there's a little brochure about our, our missions giving. And uh, we take up an offering at the end of every year that goes to missions in the state, in the nation, and around the world. And 100% of that goes towards missions. And, and uh, there's so many cool stories about it. For example, you saw on the video a picture of the Bronx, New York. And, and there are two missionaries there that are North American, missionary, North American missionaries. And, we, and that offering goes to support them. And they're from us. Uh, Becky grew up here at First Owasso. And her husband, Jordan, grew up at Calvary in Tulsa. And I think it's so cool that, that now, then years later, our churches would merge and we would come together. And, and I love it that God has uh, called them to the Bronx. We're actually going there in, in spring break with our teenagers and going to help them with their church start. And they've seen people saved, and it's so cool to be a part of that. So that's where that goes. And so I want you to know that. So pray about that, what God would use you to, to give to world missions. You know, um, I'm, I'm always inspired by the faith of a child. You know, we're in Luke chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 1. We're going to be in 26 through 38 today. And, and Mary was, was young when Gabriel came to her, probably 12, 13 years old at this point. And, and the angel Gabriel comes to her and delivers a message. And, and yet, it's interesting because everywhere in Scripture, when you see an angel show up, what is, the angel says, don't be afraid. That's the first thing. And, and they're afraid at the presence of the angel. Now, what's unique about Mary, when the angel shows up, she's not afraid. She basically says, okay, what are you saying to me? But she wasn't afraid at the being, the angel there which I think is a, a picture of the faith of a child. And I don't know if you've ever seen that play out in your life. Um, I, I grew up in the city. I was a city boy. And, and, uh, and my son and I, uh, when he was 10, he was like, Dad, I want to hunt. And I never had guns. I never hunted. I, I didn't do that. And so I was like, all right, well, man, let's figure it out. So we go to the hunter safety course, and we, we decide to become hunters. And I have a buddy of mine that, at, he's a pastor in Elk City right now. He used to live in Hollis, Oklahoma. He's on church staff in Hollis, America. I don't know if you've ever been to Hollis. It's uh, a thriving metropolis, but they have some deer there. And so he said, come on down to Hollis, and, and you can go hunting. I'll take you hunting. And so we got all registered and got our tags and all those things, and we headed down to Hollis, America. And, uh, and we're in a deer stand one day, and it was uh, freezing, and we were snacking, and we had like all kinds of snacks with us. We had hot chocolate. Man, it was the life in this deer stand. Um, we were up there trying to be quiet. And, um, and, and, you know, when we got up there, we got there early in the morning. It was still dark. And, and so we'd, we'd gone through this in our mind about, okay, the shooting stick's right here. So, so here's what you do when, like, I'm going to teach him. I have no clue, but I'm figuring this out. And I said, okay, when the, you put the gun on the shooting stick, and then, then you, you, you get the deer in the sights right there, and then you uh, take a deep breath, and then you gently pull the trigger. I was like, it's easy. Man, we got this, man. And, and, and so we're in the deer stand all day. We're dozing off, you know. And, and, we're, and, and, and at 3 o'clock, around 3.30, all of a sudden we hear this noise to our right. 
And sure enough, man, this buck comes out of the woods, and we're sitting there. And I was like, okay, okay, here it is. The scent. And so I'm whispering to him. I was like, going through our checklist. Okay, St- shooting stick, put the gun right there. I'm whispering to him, put the gun right there. And, and sure enough, that deer walks in between two trees about 30 yards in front of us and stops. It's almost like he was like, I'm re- shoot me. Just shoot me right here. I lined up perfectly. And, and I was like, okay, 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 here we go. <laughs> Deep breath. Get the deer in your sights. Pull the trigger softly. And I'm waiting for the gun to go off. Pull the trigger. Pull the trigger. Like, I, like you couldn't hear me. And I finally said, pull the trigger. And he goes, I'm trying. And that buck just looks right at us, just looks right at us, and then just runs off into the woods. I was like, what are you doing? I was like, Eric, he was right there. Come on. He's like, I tried. I tried. And I was like, what happened? What happened? And, and I was like, oh, oh, I forgot to cock the gun and put a bullet in the chamber. Oh, my bad, man. I, I mean, my bad. I forgot that part because we were all about safety. I mean, gun safety. I mean, we can't put a bullet in there. And, and he was like, Dad, I, you, you messed up our chance. I go, I know, I know. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And I was like, so you know what any good pastor dad says? Let's pray. Let's pray right now. And so, and so, it's okay, okay, we're going to pray. And, and so, I, I said, I, I prayed this, I'm not lying. Um, I said, dear Lord, we know that it's more about the chilling than the killing. But thank you for letting us be here in the woods. But if there's a deer that needs to go, would you send him by? And we would gladly oblige to help him go. And uh, I said, Amen. And Eric, little 10-year-old at the time, right after I said amen, he said, Dad, should we cock the gun now? <laughs> and, and with all the faith that I have in the Lord, I said, absolutely not. And we are not cocking that gun. But I love that story because it was this picture of faith, of a childlike faith, because here he was. Well, Dad, you pray. We prayed about this. And, of course, God is going to provide because we prayed we should cock the gun now. And I love that example of trusting in the Lord with a faith of a child. Well, you know what? That's kind of what Mary does. This is an incredible account of Gabriel coming and giving her a word from the Lord. And she just said, okay, would you stand with me? And let's read the text today because it's so amazing. Luke chapter 1, 26 is where we start. In the sixth month... The angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. 
And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since, since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born to you will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your, rel- your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. And this is the word of the Lord. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, it's so amazing. I'm back in 26. Look at verse 26. Uh, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth. Now, this is really interesting to me because uh, Gabriel... We know about him. In, in the scripture, there are two angels mentioned in scripture. It's Michael is one of the angels mentioned. He is known as kind of the powerful angel. He, he does powerful works of God. That He's the, one of the angels no, named. Then you have Gabriel. He's the messenger of God. We see Gabriel several places. It's likely Gabriel was in Daniel 9 delivering the vision to Daniel about the end times. And, and, but he's an important figure. He comes to a Lady Mary in Nazareth, which is basically not the county seat of anywhere. It's a small town. It's, it's a blip on the radar north of Jerusalem, and, and, and it's just kind of uh, out there in the, in the boonies. Uh, nothing really good came from Galilee, from Nazareth. And, and yet, um, Joseph, who was from the line of David, which was fulfilled in all the prophecies, uh, he's engaged to be married to Mary. And then this event happens. Verse 27, we know about this. She's a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph, the descendants of David, and her name was Mary. Now, um, it's likely she was 12 or 13, and that was just part of the custom back then. And and, uh, the betrothal period lasted about a year, but, but they... They had no relations at this point, and, and, and the, the marriage had not been consummated, and, and this is an important time in her engagement process. And then she gets this news um, in verse 28, and coming in, he said to her, greetings, favored one. And he looks at her and says, the Lord is with you. Now, why would that be so important? I mean, I mean, think about the message that Mary was about to get, the magnitude of this message. Gabriel knew, I'm about to tell her something that's going to rock her world. Not only is my presence, in her, coming into her presence, going to rock her world, I am going to tell her some news that is going to be absolutely crazy to her ears. And, and what's interesting, when Mary sees him, she doesn't respond like, in terror. And he, and he greets her and he says, the Lord's with you. And I think that's a huge moment. Because Mary needed to understand that before she got this message, before she heard what, what was coming her way, that God was going to be with her. Now how many times have, have we experienced this? Maybe we faced a trial in life. Do you know, you know this morning, Right before I walked into the room, before our first service, I get a text message from Patrick Bates. He's one of our leaders in our church. He's the, he was the head of our, our, our mission building team in building the mission. He's in Louisiana right now. 
At 9.13 this morning, his dad, who taught him everything about life, taught him how to be a man, taught him the importance of walking with Jesus, his dad died. And he was sitting with his dad as he helped him go to heaven. You know what he said? Hey, I just sense that the Lord's with me. Now, point number one today is this, that, that when the Lord is with you, no challenge is too tough. Have you known that? Have you experienced that? that? That when you discover that God's with you, it doesn't matter what you're facing or you're about to face. Nothing is too tough because the presence of God is, just gives you strength, gives you power, gives you hope, gives you peace like nothing else. And, and that's what Mary is, is, is experiencing right here. That, that God's presence in tough tasks makes all the difference. And then that's what it does for you, for me. It's what it's doing for Mary here. His presence is going to make all the difference. And that's why I think it's really cool that, that, that Gabriel says, Mary, the Lord is with you. God's presence makes all the difference. There's, there's real power in the presence of God. Have you known that? Have you experienced that? I've had those moments in life when, when I've gotten that phone call and, and when, I've, when I've faced that difficulty, that, 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 that challenge in front of me saying, God, I need you. And his, his presence came to me and gave me power. There, there's power in God's presence. There's peace in God's presence. And, and there is, there's a moment of, of peace when God comes to you and says, look, I am here. I am with you. There's a peace that comes over the situation. And and this is why, what, one of the most, most incredible blessings of being a believer, of being a follower of Christ, that, that when you face difficulties, when I face challenges in life, God's presence is with us. And this is why we can understand Psalm 42.5 that says, Why are you in despair, O my soul? Why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him for the help of his presence. And see, as a believer, as a follower of Christ, and, and Mary's kind of setting the example here, and Gabriel is preparing, I think, us today for, for this reality that when, when, when we face tough times, when we face difficulties, God's presence makes all the difference. And I love it that Gabriel begins, and he says, Mary, the Lord is with you. I love that. Now, anytime God's presence shows up, Anytime God, any, every time in my life God has, has spoken and revealed himself, there, there's, there's real honesty in God's presence. Have you noticed that? That it forces you to be honest. Look at verse 29. She was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. I love this because she's not troubled at Gabriel. She's, dis, she's troubled at his saying. What's he saying to me? And, and, and she's trying to understand. Mary's in that, that zone of uncertainty. Have you ever been there? In that zone of uncertainty where you're like, God, I don't know what to do. God, I don't know, I don't know if I can make it through this. God, I don't understand where you're coming from. In that zone of uncertainty. I'll be honest with you, on Friday, I got one of those phone calls that has um, challenged my heart. Um, years ago, we started the, I, I probably talk about ambassador baseball ministry way too much, but it's this work of God in my life. 
I can't get over it. I can't get over of seeing God move through baseball in this crazy moment. And, and there, there's, a, there's been a partner I've had in ministry for, for since the beginning, since the beginning of, of the dream of, of writing a book and starting the ambassadors. And, and he was there every step from the very beginning. He called me on Friday and got a message, got, a, got that phone call. I've got stage four prostate cancer. And I got to go have a test to see if it's spread. And I don't know. I don't know if it's spread. It's that zone of uncertainty. God, what, what, are, you gonna, what are you doing? What, what, what do we do? God, can we trust you? That's where Mary is. She's in this zone of uncertainty, and she was greatly troubled. She's honest about that. And I'll be honest with you, I, I, I'm... Even as a pastor, uh, that I, I've seen God come through over and over and over and over again. But yet when those phone calls come, it rocks me. It, it, man, Lord, help us. What do we do? That zone of uncertainty. But point number two today, I want, I want you to see this, that, that God's plan is always confirmed with evidence. You know, what's interesting to me is, is I got that phone call. I'd already prepared for this message. I mean, I'd already, I'd already been thinking about this message. I mean, these points I'd already written on a piece of paper. And I love it how God, when that zone of uncertainty comes, when he speaks, when he, when he leads, when his presence comes, he gives you evidence of his presence. Look at verse 30. And the angel said to her, uh, he's like, Mary, the Lord's with you. I'm going to give you some evidence. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. In his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary, in her honesty, says to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? I don't get it. How is this going to work out? The angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. You know, I love this because, you know, Mary was, Jew Mary was Jewish. She, she, she knew the stories. She knew what, was, what the prophets had said. I mean, don't, don't you realize that, that over 700 years before Jesus entered human history, Isaiah predicted that Christ would come. 700 years in advance, Isaiah predicted it. And Mary knew about Isaiah, knew what the prophets had said, and, and knew that in, in Isaiah 7:14 it says this, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And Mary is... I had to have been processing this and going, okay, wait, I, I, there's evidence of this. Oh, the, the prophets had spoken, okay. But, but still, it was difficult because, because history and the prophets, it's unfolding right before her eyes. Have you ever been in those moments, like, like I remember watching on 9-11, the planes hit the towers, and it takes you a minute to register, whoa, I'm watching history unfold. Wait a minute, this is a big moment. 
but, but it takes a minute to, to register, right? And I'm, obviously, it's got to be help. It's got to ta- be taking Mary a minute to go, okay, now what am I hearing? Okay, wait a minute. I know about the evidence the prophets had spoken this, but oh, wow, I'm that one. I'm the virgin that the Bible talked about, that, that, the, that Isaiah talked about, that Isaiah predicted 700 years ago. What's interesting and what I love about the Lord is anytime uh, God's plan is unveiled, he confirms it with evidence. He also goes, look at, look at verse 30, 36, and behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who's called barren. And, you know, everybody knew about Elizabeth, that she was barren. She couldn't have a child. And we saw last week how Gabriel had gone to, to, to Zechariah in the temple. And, and he said, look, Zechariah, you're going to have a son. And he's like, hey, we're old. We're, she's barren. We can't have kids. And, and this evidence that Mary gets right here from Gabriel. Remember, Mary had been in seclusion for months. So it was the angel Gabriel. She didn't get a text about it. I mean, this wasn't like passing on to her. No, Gabriel told her, let me tell you something. Let me show you some evidence. Elizabeth is going to have a baby. We know the story. She goes on to to see Elizabeth, and and the baby leapt within her womb. Remember that? That when she went into the presence of Elizabeth, Elizabeth is going, whoa, whoa. Whoa. Now, I don't know what that's like, you know? I don't. <laughs> and, and please don't tell my wife that I do because I remember when she was with child and I learned very quickly not to say, I understand, honey. Uh, I learned very quick that, you know, because then she punches me and she hits hard. I mean, my wife does. But, um, no, I'm just kidding. She didn't, well, I won't tell that story. But, um, but I want you to see this, that this is what's interesting about our faith. Do you know that we don't have blind faith? You know, we live in a skeptical world that will cast uh, darts at us and say, all you Christians, you just have this blind faith in God. No, we don't. We have evidence for our faith. There is, there is a, a, a ridiculous amount of evidence for our faith. There's a hilarious amount of evidence for our faith in Christ. And what I love what Gabriel's doing here, Gabriel is saying, okay, I'm giving you some really big news, but I also want you to see the evidence that confirms this news. And see, this is the, what we see about Christ. We don't have blind faith. That, that faith in Christ is always confirmed with evidence. Always is. This is why 1 Peter 3.15, that in your heart set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give a reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. That there's a reason for our hope. There's a reason for our faith. And what Gabriel is saying to Mary, Mary, look, there's a reason for this. You can, you can understand this. The prophets have spoken to this, and I want you to know God's going to do this. He's going to give you evidence. I love Tim Chaffee. He's a guy that I like to read, and he wrote this not too long ago. Christianity remains historically reliable, intellectually reasonable, and rationally defensible. And I I want you to see today, we are not a group of people with blind faith. 
God confirms over and over again that he's with us, that he leads us, that he's, he's guiding us. And that's what he's doing to Mary. Look at verse 37. He says to Mary, Mary, for nothing will be impossible with God. Look at that again. For nothing will be impossible with God. Do you know what that means in the Greek? It means nothing will be impossible with God. Nothing. Aren't you glad I went to school to tell you that? Verse 38, and Mary, what does she say? Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed her. Think about the difference that we looked at last week with Zechariah. He's the priest. He's the leader. He's the one teaching all the people. And what does he say? Huh? My wife's old. We ain't having a baby. Are you kidding me? Don't you know we're barren? It ain't working. Kind of. That's what he said. But Mary, what does she say? Let it be according to your word. I love that. Do you know what Mary understood? That the evidence God's, God provides is reliable. And that, that's true. The evidence that God has provided us is reliable. And, and what happens when we understand that and when we, when, we, when we look at the evidence and we really start connecting the dots, our, our confidence in God grows. And one of the things I've prayed today is, Lord, help us be a church that's confident in you. I want to be confident in the Lord. And, and that's what happens when we start seeing the evidence and we go, man, this, is, this is really makes sense. Following Jesus makes a lot of sense. Our confidence in God grows. What else grows? Our confidence in ourselves grows. We, we become more confident that like, okay, look, we can do this. No challenge is going to be too tough. Lord, you're with us. If you're with us, it's no problem. You've got this. You're going to help us. You're going to lead us every step of the way. You know, um, I'm bugging my family like crazy right now because I just finished a book that you've got to go read. You've got to get it. I don't know if you've ever read Pilgrim's Progress. I mean, it's a classic, but I've never read it. I've never read it. And I just finished it this weekend. And I am just, you know, I'm talking about it at dinner. They're like, okay, can we move on to another subject? And, 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 but, but it's, it's, I'm just, 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 it's amazing. It's an amazing book. There's a reason it's a classic. John Bunyan wrote it. He was from England in the 1600s, and you got to get through some of the language because it's, he's English in, in the 1600s. But, but, but you know, he, he writes this, this part. The, the main character of the book, I won't run it for you because you got to read it, but, but the main character is Christian. His name's Christian. And it's so creative how he writes it. And, and, and Christian is, in the, in the last part of his stage, in the 10th stage, he's traveling with his companion named Hopeful. And Hopeful and Christian are coming up on the celestial city. And they can see it. And they're like, there's the celestial city. This is heaven. And, and here we go. It's, it's heaven right in front of us. And, and, and the, the, the guide that's with them says, you have one more journey to progress in your pilgrimage. And he said, you've got to cross the river. 
And they, and they come up on the river and said, you've got to cross it. And he says, Christian says to, to the guide, is there another way around the river? And he says, yes, there's another way, but only two have gone that way, Enoch and Elijah. They are the only two that escaped that didn't cross the river. And you know what Enoch and Elijah did, right? They were the two men in Scripture that never died. But he said, you have to cross the river. And he says, wow, man, it looks deep. It looks difficult. Is it difficult? And he says this incredible line. He says, it depends on your faith in the master of this place. Okay, but he was scared. Christian was scared. And, and, they, and they start crossing the river, which is this incredible picture of, of humanity crossing into death. Crossing that bridge called death. And he said, as, as Hopeful and Christian entered the river, he, he says to Hopeful, I'm, I'm scared. And Hopeful, the, the, the waters are, are coming over me. And, and, I, and I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to survive. And, and Hopeful is with him. He says, brother, look, I have footing. And it's good. The footing is good. And he says, Christian, or Hopeful, I, I'm not going to make it. The waters are overtaking me. And he goes under. And, and Hopeful helps him up, and he, he goes, Christian, look, I see two men waiting for us, and they're dressed in gold, and they're waiting for us. He goes, no, they're waiting for you. They're not waiting for me. And Hopeful says to him, no, no, you, you don't, you got to remember, death ha- doesn't have the sting on us. And then all of a sudden, Christian goes under, and then he remembers he quotes Isaiah 42. He references it. He says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overflow you. And when you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched, nor will the flame burn you, for I am the Lord your God. And Christian immediately goes, wait, I have footing. Wait. The waters are shallow, and they walk across the river. And it says that, that these clothes that we had when we entered the river are gone. We have new clothes. We cross the river. You know, I have an interesting seat as a pastor in the lives of many people that I love. And there are often times, there have been a lot of times, that I have been at the bedside of somebody that I know, and we all know, they're about to go be with the Lord. And I've had those moments where they've looked at me and said, is this real? Is, is God's, are, are God's promises really trustworthy? And we've simply opened God's word and said, let's look at them. Let's read them. We've read them. And it's, it's amazing because the presence of God comes into that place. 
And it's like there's this confidence. It's almost like, it's like uh, when I read that this week and I, or when I read this book, and, and I was like, oh, that, that's the footing that I've found in those moments. That's the moment that the waters get shallow and not over my head. And it's, it's because God's presence is there. It's because God's promises, they're reliable. And I want us to know that. They're reliable. You know, this week, R.C. Sproul died. You may not know that name, but, but he was one of the greatest theologians in history, and he died this week. And I want to read something that he wrote. The vocation, and this isn't on your screen, but the vocation of dying is a sacred vocation. To understand that is one of the most important lessons a Christian can ever learn. When the summons comes, we can respond in many ways. We can become angry, bitter, or terrified. But if we see it as a call from God and not a threat from Satan, we are more prepared to cope with the difficulties. You know, you and I get to be eyewitnesses of the presence of God in the world. In fact, you know, right now I'm standing in front of you as an eyewitness. Do you know what the scripture says? It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. You know, maybe, maybe you're here today, and, you, and when, I, when we talked about Pilgrim's Progress, you, if you're really honest, you'd say, man, Chris, if it was my turn to cross that river, man, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I don't have hopeful with me. I'm not ready. Can I just be an eyewitness to the presence of God, to the promises of God, and stand in front of you and let you know his promises are reliable? And this stirring in your heart today is the divine call of God confirming that his promises are true. And so what I want to ask you to do, in just a second, we're going to have an invitation. And if that's you today, would you come and talk to one of our staff members and let us take God's word and show you what his promises look like?
These promises are true. Jesus came. And he came for you. <laughs>